Why in one verse we get bear each other's burdens and another bear your own load. Because listen, when you're broken, when you've fallen into sin, you need somebody to carry your stuff for you. But when you're not broken anymore, you need to take care of your own stuff. And too often, people come to church because they're broken, but they want the entire church to revolve around them and they never want to grow up. And in verse 5, The encouragement is to grow up. When you're hurting, you hope that someone will come by your side. If you're a person that helps others, people will remember that. But there's another side to receiving help. And as Pastor Daniel explains in this message, it's that sometimes we can rely too heavily on others. We have to shoulder some of our own burden while allowing others to help. Today, we'll hear how to find and maintain that balance in a way that looks after us and others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, Jesus is Greater Than Apathy. In this case, it's not somebody who's living in willful rebellion. Now it's somebody who stumbled. And our job is to build each other up, to restore somebody. See, the goal when somebody falls into sin is not ignoring it, or punishing them, or destroying them, the goal is to restore them, to see somebody come along. When someone's got a broken arm and they go to the doctor, you see the doctor comes and he resets it, he puts a cast on it, he tells them, hey, listen, go easy on it, and it's going to heal itself, and then you're going to be able to resume normal activity. See, we always have to remember that the people of God is meant to be a hospital. And if you're here today, and you're stumbled, You've been overtaken. I realize that for a lot of people, you don't bring your stuff and tell somebody because oftentimes in the church, we have a tendency to want to shoot the wounded. We do. And you tell somebody and they start talking about it to somebody else. And before you know it, everyone knows your business and you're just trying to get right. You're just trying to drag that stuff. Listen, we need Crossroads to be the healthiest place because all of us trip and fall sometimes. All of us stub our toes. All of us make mistakes. And we need to be able to build one another up in our holy faith so that we can be restored. And I think for a lot of people, because you're not willing to drag your struggles into the light, that struggle gets worse and worse and worse because no light's being shined on. But as a truly spirit-filled family of faith, we should be able to drag our stuff into the light. And there's not judgment. There's just the seeking of restoration, of building up, of mutual care. I mean, look what it says here in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. It says, look, there are times when you need someone to help you. You need someone to come alongside and bear the burden. And we are called to bear one another's burdens. Truly what we're called to do is to cast our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. Jesus' 
yoke is easy and his burden is light. And Jesus is saying, look, just as I took your struggles upon myself when I dealt with them, I want you to take each other's struggles upon you and help them as they're in the process of getting built up again. We need to build one another up. This reminds me of John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have, one for another. A love that would say, you're hurting, let me help. Your arm is busted. Let me carry your groceries. Let me bear with you in this season because you need someone to be there for you as you work through whatever's going on. And would to God that the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of the people of God would be a safe place for us to drag our struggles into the light and be able to walk with one another without judgment. Listen, John Stott said it this way in his commentary on the book of Galatians. And I love this. He says, if we walked by the Spirit, we would love one another more. And if we loved one another more, we would bear one another's burdens. And if we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, such or much unkind gossip would be avoided, more serious backsliding prevented, the good of the church advanced, and the name of Jesus glorified. That's a pretty powerful quote, isn't it? Because it shows that when we, filled by the Spirit, walk in the fruit of the Spirit with people who have struggled, what you see is that by us being able to bear with one another, all these things happen. When we bear with one, we don't gossip about them. And then it becomes a safe place to people to bring their stuff into light so things do not progress because people are scared to talk about what struggles. And when this becomes a safe place and people drag it in, then sin doesn't progress worse. The church is stronger. The cause of the church is advanced, and the name of God is glorified. All of it at stake in the way that we handle each other in the midst of our struggles. We need to be gentle in resetting what is broken. We need to be cautious and careful. Now, from there, notice what it says. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, verse 4, and not in another. For each one of us shall bear his own load. Let him, verse 6, who is taught the word, share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, here what we learn is that we need to be humble in self-examination. We need to be humble in our self-examination. We also saw that in verse 2. That when you're seeking to restore someone who's fallen, that we should, notice what it says at the end of verse, or end of verse one, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, right? And then you get to verse three, and if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, you and I need to learn how to be humble in self-examination. Because oftentimes what happens is, is if you notice, or if you're walking with someone through their struggles... Oftentimes, it's really easy to think, well, I'm not like them, so I must be pretty good. And there's no place in the life of a follower of Jesus for some sort of spiritual pride. You know, it's an amazing thing. This happens a lot in churches that are spirit-filled. They have this kind of, 
I am better than you, when that's absolutely antithetical to the work of the Spirit. Why? Because you realize, what's the Spirit's job? To point to the finished work of Jesus. And the finished work of Jesus tells us that Jesus died and rose again because we make mistakes. So there's no place for some sort of spiritual or intellectual pomposity in the people of God. That's a good word, isn't it? Pomposity. There's no place for that because we need to always do self-examination with a heart of humility. See, in a lot of ways, the ability to self-examine or to self-reflect actually keeps us from making the mistakes that are so prone to happen. If we were to discern what's in our heart, what's going on, and oftentimes when you're watching someone struggle, you'd be like, well, yeah, at least I'm not as bad as that person. (laughs) If you only knew, right? See, we need to look at what's in our hearts. We need to take heed how we stand, lest we fall. Notice, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So anytime you think you're the the bee's knees, the cat's meow, the all things in a bag of chips, or however you like to clarify that kind of idea, you need to root that stuff out of your heart because it says if you think you're something when you're nothing, you're self-deceiving. Now, when it says that we're nothing, here's the key. Because if you do self-examination without the lenses of the Holy Spirit in the shape of the cross, you're going to be quite miserable. See, we have to remember the gospel when we self-examine. Because listen, if you just look online at the right way to act or the right way to look, there's always somebody who is better looking, more successful, better educated, better at your job than you are. There's always somebody that. But the reality is, is that that's when you look at it through the eyes of the natural, as if you're running a race against every person who ever lived and you need to win the race. See, when you let the finished work of Jesus inform your self-examination, when you allow you to see yourself through the lens of the cross, You realize that God knows that you're flawed and that I'm flawed, but God is doing a work. And the self-examination is not to find that nothing's there. It's to find that lots of stuff is there, but God has forgiven us and God is doing a present work by the Spirit. See, God's kingdom is backwards. The way up is down. The way out is in. The last will be first. The first will be last. See, because when you and I are humble in self-examination, we see all these areas that need work. But at the same time, when you see all these areas that you need work and you view it through the lens of the finished work of Jesus, all of a sudden, every time you see something that needs work, you don't just say, oh man, I'm a loser. This is horrible. Your heart is exalting the Lord because you're like, Lord, that's exactly why you died in the first place. Lord, that's exactly why you sent your spirit to show me what's in me and to lead me in the way of everlasting. So every time we realize I got a fault here, Jesus says, that's why I died for you, because I love you, and I'm not finished with you yet. And as we go down deep with the roots of humility, those branches extend higher and higher in worship and adoration and praise because Jesus died because we needed it, and we will always need it. But we need to be humble in our self-examination. We need to examine ourselves through the finished work of the cross. You think about this idea of lowliness, it reminds me of Philippians chapter 2. It says in verse 3, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you 
look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. In lowliness of mind, in humility. We need to be humble in our self-examination. Now, notice what he says. You don't want to deceive yourself by being conceited or thinking you're something when you're nothing. But look what it says in verse 4. But let each one examine his own work, verse 4, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Now, is anybody else thinking that there's a contradiction? Now it says, bear one another's burdens in verse 2. And now in verse, in verse 2, and now in verse 5, it says, for each one shall bear his own load. Anybody else see a contradiction there? It's not a contradiction. There's a very important principle of spiritual maturity. Let me give you a word picture. So my youngest, Annabelle, right now she's about 14 months. And she's super cute, right? But she still, she hasn't come into herself yet in regards to her body. And so she's still one of those kids who, whichever way the head is leaning, that's the way she goes. Because that's the way little kids walk when they learn, right? It's like if the head's leaning in that direction, the momentum is there. And we're, you know, and so little Annabelle, because she, her head leads the way, right? Every time we go grocery shopping, sure enough, we let her hold all the groceries, right? No, right? You're all like, really? You got like one of those little doggy packs for Annabelle? You know, you put it on, you put the canned food. No, see, because she's not strong, Whichever way her head's leaning, if you put any weight on there, it's, a, it's funny because Annabelle, she's a little bag lady right now. She wants to grab everything and hold it. She's a little covetous sinner, my little daughter. Like every, she sees a toy. She's just like, and she's walking it. And not only does she have the head lean now, but she's got whatever she's trying to carry, right? She's got the toy and she's like, you know, and we're just terrified. We're just hoping she doesn't head anything, you know what I mean? But it's like, because she's a baby, and she's just growing. We don't expect her to carry all the groceries, right? We need to, be, like, we don't like, listen, you're going to carry your own baby food. And you better pay for it, too. You're, those diapers are expensive, little one. I'm going to have a running tab. I'll catch you when you're 21, you know? You don't do that, right? But then there's my son, Obadiah, who's 10, right? Obadiah, he can walk pretty solidly, assuming that he's wearing shoes, of course, that he didn't give to Tegan. But, but you know, it's like for him, if I say, we're grocery shopping, like, buddy, hey, you want to carry the, you want to carry the groceries? Like, oh yeah, thanks for the job, dad, you know. He feels good about himself. Why? Because he's grown. See, when you, this is why in one verse we get bear each other's burdens and another, bear your own load. Because listen, when you're broken, when you've fallen into sin, you need somebody to carry your stuff for you. But when you're not broken anymore, you need to take care of your own stuff. And too often, people come to church because they're broken, but they want the entire church to revolve around them, and they never want to grow up. And in verse 5, the encouragement is to grow up. Take care of your own business. You shouldn't be the person who is perpetually in need of someone to bear your burdens because you, someone bears your burdens until you get mature and then you become a burden bearer for somebody else. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you need to take care of your own business. Yes, you work, walk through the hospital. It's like the ICU, right? If you're really sick and you end up in the ICU, you're grateful it's there, but does anybody want to live in the ICU? 
No. After you're done with the ICU, you want to get into a normal room because you know that ICU is for one thing, the normal room is for another thing, but most people, they just want to get out and go home, right? Spiritually, it's the same thing. If you're in the ICU, you need all the help you can get. When you're in a normal patient's room, you need all the help that you need. And when you're out on your own, you want to take care of your own stuff. And we need to see that maturity arc in all of our lives. And the key for us is to know, when do I need help? And now, when am I better and I can start helping other people? We go from being a patient to being a nurse and a doctor spiritually. And that is the arc that needs to happen in all of our lives. And so it's a beautiful balance to know when we need someone to bear our burdens and to know when it's time for me to deal with my own stuff and take care of my own business and grow up and bear my own load because I'm allowing the Spirit of God to self-examine my heart. Now, as we move to verse 6, we start moving from the, it's still interpersonal, but it deals with finances, because look what it says. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so we get this verse in here where the Apostle Paul says, listen, those who are taught the word, you should share in all good things with those who teaches. Now, of course, for me as a pastor, I hate verses teaching verses like this because it is inherently self-serving of me to do it. I just want to thank all of you for sharing all of your desserts and all of your special meals because I'm grateful, but you guys see that I grow in numerous ways when you guys do it because you guys know I like food and it's amazing how someone comes, hey, I made this great red velvet cake with the extra creamy frosting and bring it home to your family. Now, you got to know, I never bring it home to my family. Because I love them too much to want to, them to eat all that sugar. So I just take it myself. No, just but the idea is that interpersonally, it's not about I give and they take. It's about sharing within the body of Christ. That's what this is really. It's all about sharing. And Paul uses the example of the preacher or the teacher with the congregation as an example that within the family, you share. We're always learning how to share. And, and in a lot of ways, what we're doing as a church family, we're always finding a way, how can we share with our community and our world? How can we share within the body of Christ when there's needs? How can we meet needs and how can we share? And it's a beautiful thing to watch. I get to see it from a unique vantage point here. All the big ways and little ways that I watch people in the Crossroads family share with people in the Crossroads family. All these beautiful things, like, oh, we find out someone needs a car, and all of a sudden they have a car. How'd you get a car? The, the Lord gave it to me. I don't even know whose it was. It just landed at my doorstep. I like, that's the way families are, where we share with one another, and we help one another, and we join one another. Because as a family, we all know that sharing is important. But you realize that when you are a sharer, that there's a cost to that. That blessing other people, that means that those resources will not be used to bless yourself. And so when you move from interpersonal relationships to finances, we get this principle, do not be deceived, verse 7, God is not mocked. Now, I don't know about you guys, that's a pretty serious statement. It says, don't be deceived. Don't pull the wool over your own eyes. Don't pretend that this isn't real because God is not mocked. Now, mocking is making fun of God. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to make fun of God at all. 
Because God is God, and in him I live and move and have my being, and it makes no sense to bite the hand that feeds you, so to speak. So when it says, do not be deceived, God is not mocked, that is like a biblical way of saying, listen, this is some serious business, and make sure you get it right. And we learn here the principle of sowing and reaping. For whatever a man sows, verse 7, that he will also reap. For if he sows to the flesh, will of the flesh, he'll reap corruption. But if he who sows to the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And so I want to encourage you to sow and reap life. Sow and reap life. Now, sowing and reaping, that's an agricultural term. And so, and some of you guys have farms here, and so you use that kind of language. For the rest of us, the idea of investing is probably a more contemporary concept for the most people. What you invest in is what you'll also get. The idea is if a farmer goes on out and sows wheat into his field, he's going to get a harvest of wheat. And if he sows just the little wheat, he's going to get a little harvest. And if he sows a big a lot of sowing of wheat, he's going to get a larger harvest. And the idea is whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. And now we come back to that idea of the spirit and the flesh. And if you sow to the flesh, of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. And if you sow to the spirit, of the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. And my friends, this is a principle that we need to make sure we get. Because guess what? No matter if you're apathetic or active, if you're intentional or unintentional, you are sowing every single day. And the question is, is whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. Now, how many of you saw that movie that came out a number of years ago called Supersize Me? Okay, so some of you saw it. You know why I'm going to use it as an example. Those of you who haven't seen it, I'm going to tell you about the movie, and it's going to be a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear about the movie, just cover your ears I'll let you know when I'm done. Okay, go if you want to. So in this movie, you ready? Cover those ears if you don't want to hear about it. I don't want to ruin your Netflix experience. But in this movie, this guy who is, you know, he's making a documentary about what happens to your body if you eat McDonald's for every single meal for 30 days. And he had all these rules. Every single meal, all he was allowed to eat was McDonald's. He had to eat everything that was on his tray. Anytime they asked him if he wanted it supersized, he always had to say yes. And every single, by the end of the 30 days, he has to eat everything on the menu. Now, in the beginning, he goes to the doctor, he gets weighed to get all these tests done. And you can imagine what happens for this guy as he goes on a fast food only diet. And, and I mean, McDonald's was the one on trial there, but you could pretty much put any fast food place in there and you get the same result. And sure enough, by the time two weeks hits in, he goes to the doctor and his liver's failing. He's gained 15 pounds in two weeks. He went from being a, a kind of a slender, muscular guy. He's already starting to balloon out. And the doctor's like, look, if you keep going, you might not make it. He went, his face is breaking out. He went from being a decently happy person to being a pretty melancholy person. And what's amazing about this story is what it teaches you. If you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. That's, that's what you learn. Whatever you put in, you get out. And if you put in, if you sow into your life the work of the flesh anger and bitterness and gossip and complaining, then that's what you're going to get. And you're going to produce that in other people's lives. If you put in rebellion against God into your life, that's what you're going to get out. Jesus is 
Pastor Daniel explained about how to know when to bear someone else's burden and when to let someone else help us with ours. We can't let others carry our weight all the time, so we need to know when to shoulder our responsibilities to give and take. It's our joy to bring you Jesus is Real Radio each day here on this station. We want to give you the opportunity to partner with us here at Jesus is Real Radio so we can bring the ministry to as many people as possible. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. There you can help spread God's Word by becoming a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time gift. For most of us, our smartphone is an extension of our body. They are constantly ringing and dinging, telling us what to do and where to go next. We want to encourage you to subscribe to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Each week, the programs right here on the radio are available in podcast format. So if you miss one of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by subscribing to the Jesus Is Real podcast. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll hear about what happens when a person sows rebellion into their life. The harvest is nothing but bitterness and anger. Sowing into the Spirit produces a different outcome. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled Jesus Is Greater Than Everything. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.